Good to be with you this morning. Um, I've had man flu for two weeks, and as um, some of you have had the serious responsibility of caring for a man with man flu, it always can be fatal. So um, it's good that I've made it through so far. As pro- <laughs> yeah, Maz, thank you, Maz, for uh, sacrificing a lot in the last two weeks. Um, but I was praying on Friday night. I said, God, it looks like they're heading for a YouTube clip um, at church on Sunday, unless you give me a, a headache-free day and a bit of brain. So um, I said, up to you, and it's the powers in your word, and your spirit does a changing, um, but I'd like a, a nice clear day to work on it, and he gave me that yesterday, so praise God for that. Let me pray uh, as we come to this passage this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this um, amazing passage in Ephesians. Uh, We thank you for its truth. We thank you for um, its riches. We thank you that you have freely revealed yourself to us through your word. Didn't have to, no obligation to reveal yourself other than uh, it's your character to declare your your holiness, your greatness to us. Uh, You've chosen to do that in Christ in particular. We give you great thanks, give you praise. We ask that you'll open the eyes of our hearts this morning as we look at these great truths in Ephesians chapter 1. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to uh, look at this passage through three main points. First point, um, I want to spend some time contemplating the nature of God Secondly, I want to look at our blessings in Christ. And then thirdly, look at God's purpose and will. Um, through the week, um, I was at work and uh, there's a group of people that do the, the daily quiz in the Age newspaper. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but there's a few um, die-hard quiz people that just do it day after day after day. Occasionally I join in if I'm sitting there having my lunch and I've sort of become the go-to person for the Bible questions or the Christianity questions, it's, you know. All right, good, we've got Rob, this one's for you. This week's question was, um, where did Cain get exiled to? Uh, does anyone know? Fortunately, I got it right, the land of Nod. Um, I think it was only worth one or two points, but um, it, it led to an interesting follow-up discussion uh, with the guys that uh, went something like this. Um, so why did, get, why did Cain get kicked out again? Was it killing his brother, yeah? So I said, um, oh, and why did he do that? So I explained a bit about um, what led Cain to kill his brother Abel. Um, I said, which testament is that in, the first or the second? And I said, it's in the first, uh, sometimes called the Old Testament. Uh, and then there was a cynical remark thrown out, that's the one where God is really angry all the time, yeah? Um, and my response uh, briefly was, Actually, um, God's completely consistent between um, both parts of the Bible. Um, His his character is changeless. And we we went on to the next part of the quiz and the conversation didn't go much further than that. Uh, And the person that said that sort of cynical remark, um, he often says um, pretty highly negative things about Christian faith or about Christians in general. I'm not sure why. Um, I'm really hoping God gives me the opportunity to to spend more time understanding where he's come from and perhaps some of the disappointment he's, or frustration he's uh, experienced at the hands of Christians, I'm not sure. Um, but it, it, it got me thinking, and uh, particularly as I was studying for Ephesians chapter 1. Um, so I've got a bit of interactive question for you. 
What, what is the greatest example of God's anger in the Old Testament? Sorry? Sodom and Gomorrah, any other suggestions? The flood. Oh. Babel. Um, maybe the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, one of the most sad and tragic events. God commanding the, the armies of Israel um, to annihilate the Amorites and Canaan after 400 years of unrepentant wickedness. Some of these acts, as I look at them, is God just an angry old man? Um, no. Um, as we look at particularly the flood, um, more people died in this event than any other event or incident in human history, certainly in total numbers and, and population. Um, God says this about the earth before the flood. The earth was filled with violence and every inclination of the human heart was only evil continually. But the flood is also one of the, probably the greatest examples of God's mercy in the Old Testament. Um, despite this is God's evaluation of the human race, uh, he allows Noah and his family um, to restart the human race post-flood, immediately after the flood. God says this in Genesis 8, um, after Noah has a sacrifice. God says in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. What a merciful God. Um, There could have been curtains for the whole human race at that point. When God made an assessment, this human race is utterly wicked, utterly evil. Um, He's sad in his heart because he made the human race. He's not sad because he's an angry old man. He's sad because he's a God of justice, of righteousness, of holiness. Hating the uh, pain that humans are inflicting on each other and on him. But it, it also got me thinking. Uh, this guy at work, you know, he's got a perception that God's just this angry old man, um, particularly in the Old Testament. I think a lot of people out there have false perceptions of God. A lot of people, um, maybe they've watched The Simpsons too much, maybe they've watched South Park, Futurama, all these shows that um, make commentary on Christian faith, on biblical truth. Not sure where they get their facts from, but there's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of um, confusion. There's a lot of mistruth about God, complete falsehoods. And as we look at Ephesians this morning and the nature of God, I just want to uh, look at what God's nature is really like. So turn with me, if you've got it open, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's just look for hints about what God's like, what his character's like. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before before the creation of the world. In love he predestined us. End of verse 5, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 6, which is freely given us. Verse 7, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 8, that he lavished on us. This is a God of generosity. This is a God of love. This is a God of great mercy. And as we think about this, the great nature of God, um, it says here before the creation of the world, God already had a plan of salvation, a plan of redemption, um, for the human race. 
The Old Testament, this is the same God. The New Testament, the same God. Before, the, before time began, before any of us were created, God had already fully planned our redemption and our forgiveness. How can it be that we can know this truth and know it for years and years and years, but sometimes hold it to ourselves? Um, so many people that we interact with have no idea about Ephesians 1. They don't know it exists. They don't know it's truth. Um, my encouragement as we consider some of this um, great truth, the riches of God's grace, is we think about um, opportunities for us to, to share with others this great light. Sometimes it can be a simple starting question. Um, have you thought much about spiritual matters? Have you ever had any um, religious beliefs? Have you had any experience with the church? There's so many leading questions that you can ask, ask someone non-judgmentally that will open up the opportunity for you to talk to them more about um, their experiences, their understanding. Uh, and I encourage you to do that. Um, don't be nervous. Be bold. Um, a lot of people are actually really interested to dialogue about it. A lot of people actually do have questions um, and I'm finding it through the quiz it's happening on a regular basis that these random questions come up and we just get little scatterguns here and there. Um, sometimes just a couple of us, sometimes a dozen people. Opportunities to just um, provide a little bit of truth and clarity for people. And of course as we look at Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 we're going to find they're pretty heavily loaded with theology. They're, um, they're quite meaty. Um, they're not as much the application chapters. When we get to chapters 4, 5, 6, you really start to see Paul saying, and at the start of chapter 4 he says, therefore, um, he says, therefore, you've looked at chapters 1, 2, 3. This is true. So chapters 4, 5, 6. Uh, and if you want to be starting, prepare your heart for the, the real application-heavy passages of 4, 5, 6. Um, I'd really encourage you to just um, prayerfully meditate and read through chapters 1, 2, and 3 um, a bunch in the coming weeks. So first, the character of God. He's a, he's a gracious, loving God, um, lavishing his love upon us, um, slow to anger, um, quick to forgive, and uh, according to his good pleasure, he made a way in Christ for us to be, to be saved. Um, the second part I wanted to look at this morning was just our, our spiritual blessings in Christ. And so... We have a great God. How has he blessed us in Christ? It says in, in verse 3, a bit of a science background, a bit of an engineering background. So I wanted to try to quantify in, in God are. Uh, so I, I thought just I'll just start with one blessing, forgiveness. And I'm going to make a spreadsheet um, documenting the blessing of forgiveness, how great it is based on how much I've sinned. So I got the, I got the um, sin counter spreadsheet. And I thought, let's, let's just think about words, thoughts and deeds. So 34 years old, 365 days a year. So on the average day, how do I go, words, thoughts and deeds? So deeds, I thought, well, sometimes there's a moment of self-dependence where I don't um, fully and perfectly trust in Christ. Uh, instead of prayerful dependence, I, I do things in my own strength. Sometimes I'm not obedient to the, to the prompting of the Spirit. Sometimes I indulge in something that I know isn't God's best. 
So I was very generous to myself and I said 30 sins a day in the area of deeds. Um, Very generous. What about words? The average man speaks 7,000 words a day apparently, so less opportunity to get into trouble. The women up to 20,000, so (laughs) your spreadsheet's going to be worse. Every time I speak, I have the opportunity to reflect Christ in what I say and how I say it, to speak in a way that honours him. Many times each day I have opportunities to express kind words and encouragement, but sometimes I neglect those opportunities or ignore them. Sometimes unkind, impatient or hurtful words come out of my mouth. So I'm going to be extremely, extremely generous and say 50 sins per day in the area of my words. 7,000 words a day. Only, only 50 uh, failures. Probably pretty conservative. What about thoughts? Apparently we have up to 50,000 thoughts a day. Some selfish, some self-righteous, some lustful, some greedy thoughts in the mix for sure uh, in my thought life. Then there are the thoughts that should come from the fruit of the Spirit but don't. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of my thoughts aren't consistent with the fruit of the Spirit? Now, 50,000 thoughts a day, I'm really going to have to control the damage from my thought life, otherwise it's going to knock my sin counter up too much. I'm going to say just 100, just 100 every day from those 50,000 thoughts. So by taking, taking an extremely optimistic view about myself, about how nice I am, I've still managed to sin 2.25 million times already. And really this is a bit silly this exercise for a few reasons Um, I can't comprehend the fullness of God's greatness and perfection so when I think I'm um, falling short it's based on my standard not his most of the time the Bible paints a pretty bleak picture about the deceptiveness of the human heart and how easily we can be entangled by sin but I wanted to share this exercise just to show you the blessing of forgiveness if you look at that blessing just that one blessing from Christ What a mountain, what a mountain of transgression and sin, iniquity that we've been forgiven in Christ. If the only blessing, the only blessing you ever got from Christ and from God in Christ was forgiveness, what a blessing. You could spend 10,000 years just praising him for that. The riches of the mercy and grace of God. But... Our blessings don't stop at forgiveness, do they? Let's uh, go through a list of some of the other blessings that we receive in Christ. We're chosen by God before the world even existed. We're made holy and blameless in Christ. We're loved by God. We're adopted as sons and daughters of God. We're accepted by God as perfect and blameless, redeemed from the slavery of sin. Forgiveness of all our sin, past, present and future. We can experience the riches of his abundant grace, an infinite source of undeserved favour. God has revealed himself and his perfect will to you. You have an internal inheritance so beautiful it can't even be comprehended now. We've been given the light of God's truth to enlighten us, to guide us. God has given his, his spirit to live in our hearts. He's given us hope for this life and for the future. He's shown us his glory. He's given us great power over sin, the same power that 
resurrected him from the dead in triumph over the grave is now ours to live new lives and we have power to serve him in joy and freedom. Brothers and sisters, these blessings are just the ones from chapter chapter 1 in Ephesians. We haven't even left Ephesians chapter 1. As we go through the rest of the Bible, uh, I won't try and cover every spiritual blessing in Christ this morning. These are some of the other blessings we have in Christ. We're loved with the same love that God has for his son, Jesus. John 17. We're part of an enormous family. We're one in Christ. We're all given spiritual gifts. We have eternal and perfect peace between us and God. We're set free from the guilt of sin. Our consciences, our guilty consciences are cleansed. We have a great high priest who always lives to intercede on our behalf in our weakness. We can enter God's presence with boldness and confidence by the blood of Christ. We will receive new and sinless bodies in the resurrection. No more man flu. He offers to carry our cares and burdens because he cares for us. He knows us intimately. He's present with us in every moment of every day. Do you feel blessed this morning? All these blessings, I'm sure, um, for most of us are familiar. They, don't, they shouldn't catch us by surprise or um, most of them won't be new to us. So why do you think sometimes these blessings aren't realised in our everyday experience? Sometimes we're not filled, filled with joy and hope and peace and we're not conscious of these blessings. Anyone got some ideas on why that might be? Yep. Clouded, clouded from a, a true picture of our true condition in Christ. Yeah. Take these blessings for granted. Um, just go day to day. They're all true, but um, maybe resting on our laurels. Any other thoughts? I think one of the biggest ones is actually um, a real failure in the modern church. Maybe it's always been the case. Um, A failure to meditate. Um, These truths don't reward you when you come to them for two seconds. Um, Many places in the Bible uh, instruct us, command us to meditate. Read Psalm 119. You see someone who loves the law of God, the word of God, the precepts of God, the commands of God, um, who meditates on the night and day. I've been doing a bit of meditation through the night on the basis that I can't sleep when I don't have the flu. I just sleep through the night. You know, this, the, the experience of the psalmist of meditating through the night on the Lord and his goodness is not something that um, frequently typifies my life. And uh, I'm so busy running around like a headless chook that... I don't experience the blessing of Christ or aren't aware of it. Uh, All these blessings that could be filling my heart with joy and praise and hope and peace, um, they're there to be be had. They're there for the taking. Um, They're there. They're yours, whether you realise it or not, whether you're conscious of it or not. But I really would encourage you to to, um, find time, take time, make time, um, whichever way you want to look at it, to meditate on these truths. Meditate on your blessings in Christ. It's going to be food for the soul. None of us um, typically miss our three meals a day. Um, Our stomach drives us to the table, drives us to the cupboard, drives us to um, the supermarket. 
and we make sure we're fed. That sometimes our, our soul goes hungry because we don't take that time to, to meditate, to reflect, um, to spend time in praise. Uh, when's the last time you grabbed one of this, a list like this and, and spent half an hour praising and praying to God about, about your blessings in Christ? Great activity for this afternoon. Um, so we give praise for the, the blessings of we have in Christ. We've just scratched the surface, um, mostly just looking at the blessings from chapter 1, the verses we read, and also the, the second half of the chapter, which um, Neville will take us through next week. But really, that, the key question, are you conscious of these blessings and are you taking time to meditate on them? And a third aspect that um, jumps out to me from this passage is really about God's will and purpose. Um, look, look at the passage with me um, and, we'll, and we'll skip through it and look at references to God's will or purpose. So... We read in verse 5, uh, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Uh, down in verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Verse 11, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So this passage talks a lot about um, the will of God and his purpose. And some other passages in the New Testament, when they talk about God's will, um, they talk about it in a, in a bit of a personal, individual context, um, such as, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, um, you as individuals, you as the church. Um, what I love about this passage is that it gives us a much bigger theatre, much bigger uh, vision and view to God's purposes and plan. This is a view that goes outside the created universe. This is God in all eternity um, saying, my plan... My purpose is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ before the creation of the world. This is, this is massive. Um, God has no obligation to share this with us. You can read all books about history and you might, you might read a, a book on Egyptian history and go, yep, sounds reasonable, there's truth in that. No other book can tell you about what happened before human history. Only God's word. No other book can give you insights into the Creator's mind and his purpose and will. Only the Bible. Uh, and so what is it in this passage? Um, there's obviously other passages that talk about God will, but God's will, but what um, points can we take about, take today about God's will through this passage? Um, the first point we see is that the praise of his glory comes up three times. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12, we find that the Jews, the first to put their hope in Christ, were for the praise of his glory. Verse 14 um, and 13, we see that the Gentiles, uh, when they were included in Christ by trusting the message of the gospel, they were also um, redeemed for the, for the praise of God's glory. So one of the first key purposes, the praise of God's glory. Why has he lavished riches and his grace upon us in Christ so that he might be praised, so that he might be glorified. And what's another key purpose we have here? Um, we see it in verse 10. Um, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is a, 
a binding mission statement, purpose statement of God. So as a church here, we have a statement that we want everyone to have an opportunity to know and follow Jesus. That comes straight out of God's purpose before the creation of the world to bring all things, um, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So we've talked a bit about today about um, how fractured our society is with left side of politics, right side of politics, bickering at each other all the time, um, sexual, um, human sexuality, debate on that. Um, seems to be um, we're more fractured than ever. Um, everyone's out to tear at each other's throat. But all of these issues come back to God's purpose before the creation of the world for his creation is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So the question for all of us um, is, does our sexuality honour Christ? Does our sexuality reflect the glory of Christ? Does our sexuality conform to the image of Christ? Because that's God's purpose um, in the creation of the world. And similarly, we can ask that about a lot of questions um, and frame a lot of questions uh, in the context of the purpose of God. But for us, as we come to the book of Ephesians, we come to these um, great applications in, say, chapters 4, 5, 6. Example, chapter 4 says, um, do, do everything within your power to walk in unity as God's people together, um, to love each other, to be unified. Why? Why should we love each other? Why should we be unified? Because God's purpose before the creation of the world was to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Therefore, do your bit. Um, get on with it. Make your contribution to making God's purpose in Christ come to pass. Don't be on the wrong side of um, preventing it from coming to pass. Be a contributor in making it come to pass. Um, why, should, why should we love each other? Why should we have unity? Because when we do, we bring praise and glory to Christ because of his grace at work in us, a bunch of uh, motley crew of sinners, and his lavish grace working through our conflict, working through our differences. How can you bring a whole bunch of different people together only by the grace of Christ, only by the riches of his mercy? And so my life um, should be a life that people look at and say, praise God for what he's doing in Rob's life. Um, Praise God for the way Rob treats other people. Um, And they bring glory to God. They bring praise to God because of the work his spirit's done in my heart. So we see that these truths in these first chapters turn into these amazing applications. But you can't divorce the application from the truth. And that's why Paul has the therefore in chapter 4. And so I just really want to anchor the fact that as we look at these first few chapters, we're really building um, to the latter part of the book. Um, so in summary we've looked at this passage through three main ways we've looked at the nature of God um, is God an angry old man no he's not his, his anger is always rightly directed and justly directed against sin um, in perfect justice um, he's actually a gracious God that before the foundation of the world even before the first sin was committed the first rebellion against him uh, was committed had already made a way by the punishment of his own son What's the greatest example of anger in the New Testament? The cross. Every person who's punished in hell uh, will be there justly, um, enduring the consequences of their own sin. Jesus endured the consequences for every single sin that will ever be forgiven. The full anger of God against all that sin 
poured upon this one innocent, perfect man. Um, But it's all part of God's expression of grace, his mercy. He lavished upon us. This is not stingy. Uh, This is not twisting God's hand. It says he freely given us and in the one he loves. Freely given in Christ. No discrimination. No, you're too bad. Um, You're this, you're that. Freely. No barriers to his love or mercy. To anyone who accepts Christ, all these blessings will become yours. Some now, some in the future. We saw our blessings in Christ. Another challenge I give you is to list how many blessings you can think of in Christ. Um, Do some studies, see if you can get up past 100. Shouldn't be too hard. Um, But certainly we looked at uh, a couple that are in this passage uh, and just encourage you to really meditate on some of those blessings. Find some time, make some time. Um, Make it a priority to enrich your own soul with the riches of Christ's grace so that you can pass it on to others. So you're in a position to give, to love, to share um, some of this grace and mercy with others. Uh, And then we saw God's will and purpose. We saw these two big magnifying glasses that we can use to look at our conduct in the world. Um, Will God be glorified? Will he be praised by what we do? Uh, And also, is what I'm doing, is how I'm living, how I'm speaking, how I'm thinking, um, moving towards bring all things to unity under Christ or is actually part of the problem. And uh, finally, in closing, I want to say a few words about the topic of predestination. It's, it's here in this passage. It's one of the many passages in the Bible that speaks about predestination. My intellect was tempted this morning to, to spend time on predestination, but the Spirit wouldn't let me. So um, I've spent a lot of time studying predestination um, according to one Q&A apologetics website I looked at, uh, predestination or related topics account for about four out of the t- 20 top topic areas um, that come in as incoming a flood of incoming questions to these websites um, about Christian topics. Uh, and predestination in the Bible can be a topic that causes confusion. Sometimes it causes arguments and disagreement. But it certainly doesn't have to. Predestination is a, a real blessing to study Um, It can have real heart impact in terms of knowing um, the the surety and the assurance of your salvation in Christ. Um, And it can be a great blessing to discuss it together, to encourage each other with. Uh, But this morning I'm not going to go into it, um, but I would offer you that I'm happy to discuss it with you. love to have a chat if you want to talk about it, Um, especially if it's something that's caused confusion to you or perhaps you've got questions that you don't understand. Um, love to, to cover those in person or we can have a chat over the phone uh, and I can also if you want to study a bit more um, give you a list of some great passages that you can just um, take to the spirit and read and pray about and um, think through um, you know, a couple of dozen of the key passages that really inform the topic so I didn't want to, didn't want to um, and didn't feel the liberty to go over it today but also um, didn't want to ignore if it's an elephant in the room for some of you. Hopefully not. But um, let me pray. Dearest Heavenly Father, we honour you for your beautiful, gracious, merciful heart.
so undeserving of your mercy and kindness. According to Genesis 8, every inclination of our hearts is only evil from childhood. This is your objective justice and your view and assessment as a perfect God. Yet before the creation of the world, before the first rebellion, the first sin, the first thought of independence, you purposed in Christ to redeem us, to forgive us. Above that, to make us your children, to love us with the same love that you love Christ. We're blessed beyond our comprehension to to understand it, Lord. We do take it for granted. We do fail to rejoice in it, to delight in it, to meditate on it. Lord, please forgive us for being complacent about the riches of your mercy, treating it like it's common, treating it like it's cheap, treating treating it like it's somehow um, maybe our right or an obligation of you to provide. The riches of your grace uh, go beyond our understanding, Lord. We don't understand your plan and the, mis- the full mystery of how uh, you loved us so, so much. But we do praise you. We do give you glory. And we ask for help that we can live in such a way that people looking on will, will see us and, and want to bring you praise as well, Father, want to bring you glory. And live in such a way together as your people, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can be part of bringing all things in unity under Christ. Lord, we've got this great truth. It's a shining, bright light. Help us not to stick it under a bucket, under a chair, hide it away. It's a dark world out there, Father, and we just pray that um, as we take your light by the truth of your word, with the power and conviction of your spirit working, not our power and strength, that we can uh, be effective and fruitful as we seek to reach lost souls for Christ. No one's beyond reach. We think of Paul, the Christian hater, Christian persecutor, the Jesus hater, the Jesus blasphemer and mocker. We think how a revelation of Christ brought him to a position uh, where he wanted to serve you, where he wanted to worship you. No one's beyond reach, Lord. None of our neighbours, none of our family, none of our workmates. Help us go with the boldness of Christ. Help us go uh, with the light of your truth so that these truths, these blessings, don't just sit on the shelf gathering dust, but they become a fire in our hearts that will... um, Help us to influence and reach others. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.